Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins. And with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 3, Episode 13, and we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, she's back. Yes! <laughs> Our special guest this week is Miss Katie Bristow. This is the first time we've ever had a repeat special guest. You mean glutton for punishment? <laughs> it's punishment time! <laughs> That's why I sign up for the one that I do, because then I know I have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Katie. We're really glad you're with us. You. So you're out this coming Sunday. Well, you're not. You're going to be here. I will be here. Explain it. Um, I've got, uh, this is the busy season in the United Methodist Church when we begin preparing tons of paperwork for our annual report to our bosses, uh, the district superintendent. Uh, and so I've scheduled an off week for myself so I can do nothing but paperwork uh, for the United Methodist Church all week long so that uh, the rest of the month will go more smoothly for me. Are you going to sign some more blank papers? Yes, just like, <laughs> just like like Artaxerxes. I, <laughs> Whatever he says, we just sign it. Yeah, right? yeah, people just push it in front of me and I put my name on there. There we go. But should I have really signed blank papers? I can't answer that, sir. You're the one that signed them. I didn't. All right, Katie. So welcome. And uh, what chapter and verses are you reading this week? So for this week, we'll be going back. What do you mean? Back? Back to what? Back to the beginning? Back to Genesis, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Okay. In the Tower of Babel. Ooh, interesting. And uh, what translation are you reading from? I read from the NIV version. Nonconformist. Let's repeat the nonconformist oath. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a rebel. <laughs> I'm just a rebel. <laughs> the, the calm, smooth voice, I'm just a rebel. <laughs> no heart in it at all. After you then. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Amen. All right. So my first question is, what, what led you to this, uh, this particular story in, in Genesis? So my process for, for writing out a sermon starts about three months ahead of, of whenever I'm actually going to give the sermon. Okay. I spend a lot of time praying of... What is the message that God wants me to give to the people? Mm -hmm. Because I do not like writing. 
at all. I would much rather stand up and, and just talk in front of people. So I'd figure out what is it that God wants me to write about and to what message is that going to be for for the congregation that they need to hear at that point in time. Um, so back in the middle of the summer, started off with lots of prayer. And I, I love Old story test, or Old Testament stories. They they have always called out to me. If I look back at all the sermons I've given throughout the years, I'll bet you two-thirds are from the Old Testament. Um, this was the one that the Lord put on my heart. Interesting. Any questions from you? Nope. See, that's where I get it from. (laughs) And with that, we'll close this episode. (laughs) Done and done. Nailed it. (laughs) That's great. Okay, so to me, this story almost feels like a fable, right? It's like this is how the languages came about, not because of, you know, I mean, it's a biblical story, but it almost seems made up. Mythical. Yeah. Yeah, Mythical, mythological, whatever you might want to call it. Um, How do you? How do we combat that type of criticism, if you will? Sure. Because um, if, if you look back at faiths in general, there's multiple questions they are supposed to answer. And and one of them is, how did we get to where we are? And so, of course, language being a, a big piece of that. Um, for me, it's really about, do you believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God or not? Mm-hmm. And if it is then every part of it is true, not just bits and pieces of it. So I I can understand that this could seem fantastical, but I believe my God is capable of fantastical. And if if he wanted to come down and confuse languages, he is quite capable of doing that. Hey, he created it. Yes. Right? He can stir it up. Yes. He can flood it if he wishes, which is another story that almost seems in the same vein of fantastical. The great flood is like weird, but... It does, yeah. There's a a lot of people who come and, and say... No, clearly the earth is way older than, than you Christians think it is based off the Bible. You're, you're messed up. You're just coming up with reasons for, for why man is you know, in, in charge of all the species. You're coming up with reasons for, to explain things that don't really need to be explained. I disagree with that. I, I believe the Bible says what the Bible says is true and that that's what we're supposed to go off of. Very good. There's a a professor uh, of uh, Old Testament history uh, in England. He has passed away in the last couple of years. Uh, His name is Kenneth A. Kitchen. And to my thinking, he is probably the best, was the best mind in the world about how do we prove the things the Bible says uh, or disprove them? How does that, you know, what's what do we know and what don't we know? Uh, and he's written several books. I have most of them in my library. In 2008, just before he passed away, he put out a book called On the Reliability of the Old Testament. And he went through the entire Old Testament. And if there were, if there was information that contributed to why you can trust the Bible, he found it and put it in this book. And so uh, going through his section on, on Genesis 11... And uh, the information he brought up is he said there were basically three major religions operating in that part of the world at that time. And all three of them agree there was a tower. 
people were working on the tower uh, not for God, but uh, for their own greater glory. And the God, whichever God of those three religions, the God was upset by that and scattered their language and forced them to disperse. You've got three independent accountings for this event that all come from the same time period. Now, they each credit it to a different God. The Hebrews accredit it to El, uh, Jehovah, but, and the others to, to two other. But he says, if, if you're just following the timeline through, you get to uh, almost a, 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 like a five year period where all three religions have this blast of, and this is when language separated, and this is why it separated, and the stories are virtually identical. So to me, that, that emphasizes that this is a historical event. Interesting. All right. So where where do you plan to take this? What are you going to you, you take this story and what is going to be kind of your message? Where are you going to go with it on Sunday? Sure. Every Bible story has a purpose. Like there's a reason it is in our Bible, a reason that that we need to know it, be aware of it and it how it is applicable to us. Um, and, and so where I'm taking this is this is actually a message of of hope. And, and a message to strengthen your faith because we see God disperse the language and, and to separate that. And then thousands of years later on Pentecost Sunday after Easter, you know, after Jesus is risen, then you've got Pentecost Sunday, you've got all the, the apostles in the room. They get blessed by the Holy Spirit. They begin speaking in tongues. And it's kind of, it, in my mind, it's the conclusion. It is God drawing all of the languages back together to say, look, I am still here. I am still your God. I am still in desire of a relationship with you. I want to reach you where you are. So it's that message of hope of bad things happen. You may never understand the reason in your lifetime, but that doesn't mean that God won't use those bad things for his purpose at some point in time. I'd never made that connection before between the Tower of Babel and and, uh, Pentecost Sunday. That's interesting. Yeah, It's kind of a cool way to go. Uh, that that was a God thing. That was through <laughs> the prayer <laughs> and through God saying, here's the message. I know you're going to work through because chapter 10 ends with uh, Noah uh, arriving on, on you know, after the, the great flood. And uh, suddenly we jump into the Tower of Babel. And I know you're dealing with that transition yes. in your sermon. So uh, why why did you back up and, and hit the lineage and everything that was going on with Noah instead of just starting the sermon right at Tower of Babel? Sure. Um, yeah, so I back up to the very, very beginning. Yeah. We, we, we start with Adam and Eve <laughs> because I think it's important. Like we hear the, the, Tower of, the story of the Tower of Babel and especially as kids – when you're learning the stories of the Old Testament, it's not necessarily in order. And so I wanted to put it in a, a, a reference of a timeline in, in context for people to say, okay, here's this story that I'm, I may or may not be familiar with. And in the grand scheme of things, here's how it fits in. And the closest story that I could kind of relate it to that everybody knows is the beginning. I mean, we're only in chapter 11 here, so not that far to back up to the very, very beginning. And to go through the lineage, I think, helps show the overall timeline that you're looking at with this context, um, as well as some of the 
interesting little tidbits that, that go through that lineage of, you know, who were the kids, what happened to the kids, how did the kids fight, and then the kids of the kids, and, and what happened to them. Because um, I have to admit, even going back through that, learning that one of Ham's sons, so you've got Noah, his three sons, Ham, Japheth, and Shem. One of Ham's sons is Canaan. All right, give me Ham on five, hold the mail. And like we hear about Canaan all the time, the Canaanites and all the conflict with the Israelites and how they you know hate each other and, and all of this. I have to admit, I didn't realize it backed up all the way to to Ham yeah. and to to his disobedience and his disrespect for his father. So that was a, a new and interesting learning point for me in, in preparation for this. Very interesting. Um, yeah, and I'm looking ahead here. Chapter 12 is basically Abram. So, yeah, we're really way back in the Old Testament. <laughs> Historically, have we ever found any archaeological proof of a city that I think the Hebrew word is shake, shake or something like that? Shinar, Sh- the plain of Shinar. Yeah, Shinar, however you want to. Well, that's easy for you to say. Land of Babylonia in the NLT. Have we found any kind of archaeological evidence of such a place? Yeah. Um, I know you're going to bring this up in your sermon, but the the city Babel uh, that the event is named for um, and that now babbling is named for mm-hmm. becomes Babylon. That ties us back into And it. there we are in Ezra. back to Ezra. Yeah, we've spent the last uh, three months working about the captivity and the exile in Babylon and then back to Jerusalem. It's a real place. Babel is a real place. And we do know where uh, ancient Babylon was. And uh, the archaeology going on there is difficult. It, it would go great guns for a while, and then Saddam Hussein would shut it all down mm-hmm. and loot all of the archaeological evidence. And then he would let the archaeologists come back in, and they, they would go great guns again. And, and for many decades, uh, it Work was being done, but it was really hard uh, to find out exactly what they were concluding. It's been a little better the last uh, uh, 10 years. Um, and uh, I knew that they found what they believe is the site of a significant building. And you're going to talk about that. Yes. The Great Ziggurat at Ur is, is the name of it. And because I was looking up, I was like, okay, just looking up a ziggurat, what did that look like? And this is the one that kept coming up over and over. And so reading different stories about it. If, um, now, I don't know for certain if they think that this was the one or if this was just a major one in that area. Um, but but Saddam Hussein had it rebuilt, at least the first layer of the first story of it rebuilt. Um, although then I also read that he tried to park aircraft near it so that we wouldn't bomb the yeah. aircraft because <laughs> Because at least then, you know, we might risk bombing the ziggurat. Um, don't think that quite worked out to his desires. But point being, um, he did have that rebuilt. Um, it is supposed to be, if not the site, at least very close to what it actually looked like for that first first story of that temple. Very interesting. They have um, found, like, like we said, that site and... Uh, there, it talks very specifically about uh, in the Bible about uh, clay bricks being baked and then bonded together with a pitch or a tar or an asphalt type uh, substance. 
Because of that, there's a lot of plant in both the bricks and in the bonding agent. And because there are plants, we can radiocarbon date them. And so uh, the site that they they believe is the actual site, uh, I think, dates back uh, almost almost perfectly to like four or five thousand BC. The right time, the right place, the right material, and I love that the Bible has the material down exactly to match what they've been finding. So they feel reasonably confident that that. What was being built was a religious temple, a ziggurat, which ziggurats have been all over the earth, um, but that this is the one that they had grand plans for to make us famous everywhere and, and that we really do know where this event, this historical event happened. That happens a lot of times where politics, regional politics, yeah. can make archaeology almost, if not completely impossible. Yeah. And this is one this is one area of the world where it's just politically impossible. Very difficult, if not impossible, to get in and and dig up stuff and figure it out. But so much of the world's history kind of leads back to yeah. this area of the world. Uh, and then there's people that, you know, hey, there's gold in there. I'm taking the gold. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't work out for, for archaeologists very well. Are there any other parallels in historical times or even modern times of God dashing the hopes of or the plans of man in such a manner? I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm throwing it out there. This was on a worldwide scale, and that's that's other than the flood, that's almost unprecedented. Um, the plagues of Egypt uh, at that time, Egypt was the most powerful nation in the entire world. They controlled everything, and so the plagues that humbled Egypt and brought it to their knees, so that they had to release their slaves. That that might almost be a parallel, but even that doesn't compare to this because this altered the entire world for the rest of history. All right, he scattered the people and created multiple languages, which yeah. made it more difficult for them to to conspire, if you will, against yeah. God. And he's yeah. like, well, you can't be doing that. You, try, you can't be better than me, right? So stop trying and I'll make it even more difficult for you. Um, any other thoughts on this? I wish I could know what God thought about how much the world has come together again through language yeah. that um, English is very common now. And in the rest of the world, it is in general, the language of business. Does that concern him at all? <laughs> you know, I'd, it'd That's be interesting to know. Yeah. It's the language of airlines, right? Air traffic control is all in English. Always English. Always English all over the world. So that's a good thought. I hadn't thought of that either. I've always been enamored uh, with this section of verses, but not because of the language deal, but because of verse 7. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. More the come, let us. That's God speaking, and he's speaking in the plural. Right. This is one of several sections that I've memorized where God does that, speaks to himself in at least two other persons uh, and has a conversation among himself. So when, when people go, well, this one God, three parts that you Christians worship, it's just a, a fantasy concept that you've created out of thin air. And I love to go back to this and go, no, actually throughout the Old Testament, God speaks to himself and of himself in the plural. So I think Genesis eleven seven is part of the proof of our triune God. The other one that goes back to is Genesis 1, 26. Um, and this is when when God's about to make man. He's going through the, the process. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. For that plural, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I've always personally struggled with the, with the Trinity. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard concept. Um, there's been some different analogies created, you know, facets of a diamond, things like that. But I still struggle with it. I'm on, you know, to be honest, I don't know that we need three pieces of it. Yeah. I mean, it works with three separate pieces. They don't have to be one. But anyway, <laughs> we won't get into my weirdness. <laughs> we do that every week. What do you mean by that? <laughs> we were getting a break from that. <laughs> no way. I got like 10 minutes of stuff to fill because we're only at 20 minutes. I got I got to find 10 <laughs> minutes for the funny to fill. I don't know. Anytime you've got a guest, like, like I said, I hate writing. So my sermons are typically shorter than the standard. So it may make sense that the podcast is a little bit shorter too. <laughs> all, the, all the cowboy fans would be happy. If yeah. I could get yeah. by with bullet points, I would. <laughs> I understand. I, I write in bullet points. Yeah. And so for me to flesh it out sometimes is a struggle. Any other thoughts on this one? I'm trying to think. You had brought up what I thought was a really good point in your, in your sermon, because I've been through your sermon. Uh, I've read it. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. That's God talking to himself, and he says, we've got to stop this building because after this, nothing will be impossible for them. And on first read, that sounds like, they won't need us anymore because they can do anything. If they can build a tower to heaven, they can do anything. And yet that's not where your research took you. Yes. Yeah. It can come across as, ooh, God's scared of us. Yes. No. <laughs> Actually, my first reading of that, it was like, oh, good. They're on their own. My very first blush through it, I was like, oh, good. God thinks we're good enough on our own. <laughs> you know, they're okay. But no, it sounds like there's something much worse in there. Yes. Yeah. It's really more about, um, like we said, the the whole reason God stopped this is because of the rebellious nature, because humans wanted to create a name for themselves apart from God. It was not, let's, let's build a tower to honor our God and our Father. Right. It was, let's make a name for ourselves. I want to be famous. I want the whole world to know who we are. Which makes no sense to me because it's all one people right now. So against who? Like, who, are you, who do you want to be famous for? <laughs> it's still you. But the if they could accomplish this, then humans would think, I don't need God for anything. Right. I can build a tower for myself. I can do this for myself. And then it would it would take away any other plans for God being involved. Like God would, would not be involved in anything else. There's no way. And, and that could not be allowed. There would be no rebellion that would be off limits to them after this. Right. Even though man has tried. Yeah. And keeps yeah. trying. Yeah. And <laughs> right. Continue to try. The golden calf comes to mind quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but just it, 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 if you let this go unanswered, then there's no what what the what that verse basically says is there's no limit then to what they will attempt to do to set themselves apart from me that will become unlimited and yeah we're basically there but it's probably <laughs> delayed it for many millennia <laughs> right slow them down yeah speed bump right yeah that's another interesting point thank you um anything you want to bring up any kind of closing argument or I don't know closing arm not lawyers. <laughs> well, since of, you disagree with me. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, have you given a sermon title yet? I, again, I go back to pretty basic. So it's it's called The Tower of Babel. 
That's as good as Ooh, mine. Yeah, I know, I know, right? Like mine, I know. right? <laughs> Creative writers, we may not be. <laughs> Go back to school. All right. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Katie delivers, it'll be on our website at www.ponderumc.org. At the top is a menu called Ministries. Pull that down. Go to Sermons. Look for the sermon the Tower of Babel. And this will have been delivered on September 11th, 2022. Got a bit of wisdom for you. Okay. Don't change the message. The message changes us. And this is Ken Corkins, Rockielson, and Katie Bristow reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thank you for listening. You can find us at www.ponderumc.org. There, you can watch the live stream of our casual service, listen to replays of this and past sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.